This episode is something new. It's the first in a new series. On Keep Talking, Rob and I talk openly about our lives and how we relate to the topics discussed on the show. No guests, no interviews, just us. We hope you find our chats honest and real, and if you relate, maybe they'll be helpful and remind you that you're not alone. The aim is to encourage you to keep talking about mental health, keep the discussion going. Our first episode is a tough one, a personal one, just as a heads up that it may contain discussion that some listeners may find disturbing. We discuss losing a loved one to suicide. So, as they say, listener discretion is advised. And welcome back. Another episode of Mind Body Matters. And I'm Rob Reeford. I'm back. I, I promised people that you'd be back and you're back. Today, on this episode of Mind Body Matters, we just thought uh, we should let everyone know what has happened in my life over the last little while. It's not good news, but um, life goes on. September 6th, 2023, I um, got word from my oldest son that my youngest son took his life. He was 32 years old. He had so much to look forward to, but unfortunately, uh, because of mental health and everything that we talk about here on Mind Body Matters, he took his life at a very young age. And it's been the hardest thing for me to get over. I was in shock when you called me after you got the news. Just as context for people, Rob and I have been good friends for, what, 30, 40 years, but we, all, we, we pretty well talk on the phone every day. And to get that call, I know exactly where I was in, in, in my house when I got that call. Absolutely in, in shock. I, I met your son, Alex, on one occasion, but I think you know, the response from people that know him better and work with him. Uh, even even one meeting with Alex makes an impression. And I just felt your sorrow. Yeah. I, I, I felt how you were feeling because you're, you know, you're very close to me. We, we were talking earlier uh, about, you know, uh, we're on the phone with each other on somewhat of a regular basis. And as you said, almost daily. Right. And I want to take people back um, and this, uh, this goes prior to, uh, Alex's, um, untimely death. Um, you and I, uh, were talking about my son and, and you, you had told me on the phone, you said, uh, Rob, I think your son is struggling. And you sort of made that assumption, uh, I think from looking at his Facebook posts and some of the, I'm not sure if you'd call it weird, but it was just, it just seemed a little disjointed or what have you. And you and I got talking. You said, I think your son is struggling. And I said, yeah, I think he is too. And I, I should point out, my, my son Alex, um, he was a counselor at uh, a place in my hometown here. And I'll, I'll let everyone know, I, I'm from Stratford, Ontario. And we have a little program here in town that actually um, Alex and uh, his buddy Mike created. And it was called Choices for Change. And it had a lot to do with... Um, uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation. My son had uh, credentials to provide counseling for people who were struggling. And um, just over a year or so ago, 
a lot of bad things had happened to Alex, and one of them being uh, his marriage of a few years had broken up. Um, And then, uh, no fault of his own, he lost his job at Choices for Change. You have to understand that Alex, he was one of those guys who wanted to help everyone. You know, when he lost the ability to help other people, he lost the ability to help himself. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that sort of sums up what has happened over the last uh, year or so. But um, we always thought, you know, um, and, and I, I've got to be honest with you, too. Um, earlier on, years and years ago, he also tried to take his life unsuccessfully. And then uh, when we knew he was struggling, we never thought he would ever do that again, especially because he had a son and little Kessington, who is now four years old. And that's, so that's the other tough thing. He leaves behind, um, well, his, his family, but also um, little Kessington, four years old, now without a father. I met Kess yeah. as well, the, the same day I yeah. met Alex. Yeah. yeah. So um, in a nutshell, that's why I haven't been around here on Mind Body Matters for a while. I've, got, I've had some stuff to deal with, obviously, and, uh, you know, there's not a day goes by, perhaps not even an hour that goes by, I don't think about the guy. But, uh, here we are today uh, talking about my son, and uh, it, it's, it's been a tough journey, very tough. I said in one of the episodes a little while ago, Rob, that um, talking with you, you said you're willing to roll tape, as we used to say, uh, and and talk about Alex and be open and share it. Because as we were talking about on the phone is that this has to do with mental health. I mean, you you certainly could have chose not to roll tape on this and uh, do an episode on this. But I think our thinking was is that if we have a podcast about the mind and body, physical health, mental health in particular, yes. because that's hit both of us uh, greatly, mental health and addiction, yep. that it almost kind of makes sense to, in his honor, to talk about this. And I, I hope people understand that that we're not doing this for any purposes of being co-hosts on the show, we just felt so deeply that as sad of a story this is, people need to talk more about suicide. And as a therapist, you know, uh, I mean, people talk about mental health and that's good and it's changing, but talking about suicide is still part of that huge stigma about mental illness because it goes way, way back to people uh, uh, committing suicide, right? Um, I, I think that it was illegal, I think, many years ago. And, and if you took your life, you couldn't be in the same cemetery, all these things. I think some of that has transferred over the generations. And, and today to openly talk about someone that has killed themselves, and that phrase I use all the time instead of suicide, because that's the reality of it. And also, um, there's an organization here up in Canada that I have great respect for. And, uh, in a, uh, a conference about suicide. They said, we need to change how we say things and say exactly what it is, is that Alex killed himself. Well, it's, it's a lot like mental awareness in general, too. Uh, you know, you hear every year about the Bell Let's Talk uh, or the Bell Let's Talk Day. That's all about mental awareness. And years ago, we weren't talking about uh, mental health. And as you were just pointing out, years ago, 
we never would tell people that, oh, he committed suicide. It was quietly. It was very quiet. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's the difference today. And one of the reasons why I wanted my first show back on Mind Body Matters to be about my son, but also to share these stories with other people who might who might just benefit from our story today. Exactly. That's what we decided on the phone. Yeah. That's why we're going to do it. Yeah. If we want to create more discussion about mental health, for me at least, I won't speak for you, Rob, but as a therapist and doing this this podcast, I got to step up. I mean, I think I will be doing the whole issue an injustice if I didn't talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. If we didn't talk about it, then we're, you know, subscribing to that whole thing of, well, you know, your son passed away and then, you know, the dialogue isn't there. But what struck me at the celebration of life was all these people that Alex had helped through his his agency in, uh, in Stratford that they talked very openly about what happened and it sure seemed like they believe that, and, and they're younger than me, believe that there's a need to discuss uh, this topic openly. And also, I would do myself an, an injustice, uh, you know, as a healthcare person, not to provide some information at the end. So when we wrap up, I do have some uh, text numbers yes, and telephone numbers for people that... Um, if this hits home, if you've made an attempt before and listening to this and you relate to this and family members too, I mean. See, see that's see that's the thing. Um, family has a lot to do with this. Unfortunately, as I said, uh, Alex didn't choose help, even though he knew the help was there. As a matter of fact, I also want to point out, too, you'll remember prior to Mind Body Matters taking off with both you and I as as the co-hosts on the show, um, it was originally going to include Alex. Um, That's right. And um, somehow, I, I, I think it was going to be Alex and you, and I was just going to do the production magic in the background. But then... Right. After, um, for some reason, Alex just didn't follow through on um, getting on the show as it was originally planned. And I think that was during his spiral on the way down in his, I think so. in his yeah. journey. But uh, here we are today. And I, as you said, um, in, in memory of Alex, we, we, wanted to, uh, we wanted to talk about his journey, maybe other people's journey. This isn't the first time either that uh, our family has been uh, affected uh, with a suicide in the family. I go back to about 1993 when my uh, ex-wife's younger brother, um, Jason, he took his life um, at a very young age. I think he was about, I'm going to guess, about 22 years of age. Very young. And I keep on going back to that day back in the 90s when uh, when this all took place and um, and I just oh, I just remember the sadness I remember all the things that go along like and and then the questions Greg uh, 
you've heard about this uh, when it comes to suicide is had I done something different or why, why, why did this happen? Or if I had done something different, would the outcome have been any different? And I don't know. How would you answer that question? Could I have done anything differently outside of what I already did, like offered to get him help and so on, but then he ultimately refused? I've asked that question about family and friends that have killed themselves too, and I think it's I think it's a part of the process that we go through in the grieving process. I think it makes sense that we question, could we have done something more? But I, I think it comes down to this feeling of confusion and guilt. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, speak for myself that in, in my experiences, I, I did that too. But what I came up with as an answer and working with clients and families that, that have been affected by suicide, it's a common question, but there is no answer. Yeah, there's the the why will never be answered. So in a lot of ways, in the process of understanding and the process of grieving, it needs to be uh, set aside because there 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 isn't. I mean, we can't we can't speak to the person that's killed themselves and ask them. So why did you do it? Only they know. Yeah. And to answer your question, I mean, I and I don't mind sharing this. This is how honest we're going to be. And I don't think I've mentioned this yet on, on the podcast, but in 1996, I tried to kill myself, uh, drank a lot of booze and took a lot of pills and, um, I got through it. Uh, they brought me to the hospital and, you know, went through the whole process of, um, of detoxing from the pills. And it, 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 it fortunately didn't uh, affect my, my organs. Uh, I didn't have respiratory stress, which often people do with alcohol and benzodiazepines, or those are the ones that I took. Yeah. I was in ER, uh, and that question was asked of me by a nurse. Why? And I didn't have an answer for it. Like, I, I, I didn't die. Uh, I didn't have an answer for it. All I knew is that at the time, I was in such deep depression and in such a dark hole, and picture that visually because that's mm-hmm. how I picture it. That's how it feels, right? The dark You're hole. You're in this a dark hole. A dark hole, yeah. a dark pit. Yeah. You can't see light above you, and you can't see your family above you. You can't see your kids. And, you know, you mentioned about his son, Kess. I had a daughter at the time. She was two years old. I wasn't thinking about her. I wasn't thinking about anyone. I wasn't thinking about how this was going to impact all I knew is that I wanted to die long enough to get rid of the pain, to take that option and get out. Yeah. That's how much pain I was in. So I I believe that's what Alex went through. And I was reading an article. Uh, he did um, a talk in Stratford for um, his high school, Mitchell High School. Uh are you talking about his own high school or or yeah. uh, his own high school was uh, Stratford Central Secondary School? What I was referring to is an article that was written in the uh, Mitchell Advocate that I came across when, when, when he died. I, I went and I meeting him, I know that he made a, a big impact with, uh, with kids. And so in this article, he talked with um, kids from the Mitchell District High School. Is that in Stratford? No, Mitchell is a community that's about 20 minutes west of Stratford. But when he was a counselor with Choices for Change, uh, he did uh, 
the whole gamut of schools are in the area. In our county, which is Perth and Huron County, he would go around to high school to high school and have talks with children in uh, in, in the in the schools. And this was an example. Okay. Um, what the tie-in I wanted to use with this article is is that I shared the why as much as I understood it. Uh, surviving a suicide attempt is that I, I wanted to die long enough. I didn't really want to die. I wanted to die. I wanted to get out to get rid of the pain. And I didn't care whether I would die or not. I just had to get out of it. This really, really hit home. It it, it bothered me in many ways when I read this uh, the, the day he died. In the article, he shared that he uh, attempted suicide by hanging in 2007, mm-hmm. and this was two months after he overdosed on pills. And in the article, this is what Alex said, I didn't want to die, but I needed a way out. That comment about his suicide attempt in 07 might help you to understand that was his comment. This is what he told the students at that time. And we don't know why, but that he needed a way out might be be part of the why that it happened a number of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah. But that but that stood out for me. That's very interesting. Uh, he he needed or wanted a way out. Yeah. If you're, in, I always tell people, it's like if you're in terrible chronic pain, right, excruciating pain, and they're not going to give you any. Um, uh, medication for it you start thinking of ways out not necessarily that you're gonna think of killing yourself but you're you are, you're under so much pain that you can't think right all you your whole being is is wrapped up in this pain and that is no different than emotional pain yep uh, it, in fact i think emotional pain um uh, it hurts. It's worse than a lot more. It's worse than physical pain. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think anybody that's um, had emotional pain would uh, would also see that too. So, once again, that that doesn't show you the why, but just some insight into the thinking of the person at the time and how um, and how deep it is. Seriously, how deep it is. Um, I have told you this on the phone, but. Um, the day after, um, my ex-wife and, um, my son, Andrew and, and both of our significant others, um, we went to, um, Alex's apartment to look at what was ahead of us as far as cleaning up. And, um, Alex's mom came across a jar of pills that were prescribed recently by his doctor and uh, they were like uh, those anxiety pills. And again, uh, I'm not good with some of the medical terms, but I'm thinking like I, I'm I, I'm familiar with uh, something called lorazepam. That's an anti-anxiety pill. So that's it was, a benzodiazepine. Yeah, yeah. So it was one of those type of pills, but it was to help him with his anxiety to the point that um, I remember uh, my ex-wife. She she asked uh, Alex. How are things going? How do you feel after taking your pills? This is like a week prior to his passing. He says, 
the pills are really making an effect, Mom, and and uh, I, I'm 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 happier. I'm I'm better. I'm paraphrasing, but something like that. And then guess what? We actually uh, found the pills, and we looked in the container, and on the front of the uh, pill container, it said uh, thirty tablets. Well, we counted the tablets, and guess how many were left? 30 tablets. In other words, uh-huh. he wasn't taking the pills. And um, to the point. Well, I think he, in the past, I understand, because of what he was sharing in, in that article is that he, he had side effects from the pills. Some might be why he wasn't taking them. I, I'm not sure. Again, uh, we'll never know because he's not here to answer the questions. Oh. Right. But, uh, but I just found that really strange, you know. For for a guy who wanted to help so many other people, in the end, he just couldn't help himself. And there are doctors out there, um, you know, at the end of this program, or at least um, in the description, uh, we'll pass along places where people can get help because the help is out there. It's just a matter if you want to take it. It almost sounds like an AA meeting, okay? The help is out there, but you have to want to do the change, you know? So um, I want to get really serious about this. Okay. I uh, In our conversation here. Okay. You know, and um, I, I mean, I can understand why you're, why, you know, you're, you're chuckling there, but I, I, want to, I want to bring you out and I want to bring you to sharing exactly uh, how you feel, mm-hmm. right? What did you feel when you first heard that he killed himself, considering that you and him were having problems, father and son, yeah. prior to that? Yes. I, yeah, I want to make this known, too. For the last, <clears throat> I would say, two to three months or thereabouts, uh, is it safe to say I was estranged from my Son, is is that the terminology? Estranged? We weren't talking. Uh, no, you weren't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm you, not sure if it's you guys were arguing. We were arguing, yeah. but to the point that uh, we were arguing so much, and any time he uh, wanted to lash out at someone, I ended up being the punching bag. Now, not physically and and directly. I'm just saying verbally, and um, I took the brunt of a lot of his anger. And he took it out on me to the point that it was it was screwing up my mental health. Um, and you and I had conversations about this to the point that I was reaching out, asking people like yourself. I was asking my aunt, uh, my wife. I go, what do I do? For goodness sakes, this has got to stop. It felt like a train out of control on the tracks. It was just going on and on and on. You know, the last thing I wanted to do is stop communicating with him. Um, but the only way to make the abuse stop uh, was to stop talking with him. And that's what I did. Well, we talked about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt for both you guys because, yeah. oh, well, I, I wasn't there in the arguments, but you you described to me what was being said on the phone and an email. So I, I, I heard both sides and... In, the, in that situation, he was extremely angry with you, and I sensed that this was very old anger from many years ago. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the approach he was taking, unfortunately, you had to take a boundary, and that's what we talked about, yeah. is because you, yeah. were, 
you're being impacted so much emotionally by just the energy. And, and it was difficult, I think, for you to actually hear what he was really saying because he, he was laying India, taking a, a strip off you and, and your wife. So we talked about setting a boundary, and I, I think it's a healthy thing to do. It's sad and unfortunate looking back on that you had to do that. But how did you feel about setting that boundary and, and stepping back and not talking to him? Honestly, I missed him. Because uh, we, I wouldn't say we used to talk every day, but when we did talk, uh, for the most part, they were always great conversations. Um, so when I took that boundary and decided I'm not going to talk to him until, you know, he comes out and it wasn't I was looking for an apology or what have you, but it was just, I just knew it wasn't going to be uh, doing good things for my mental health if if we continued to talk this way. So that's why I took the boundary. But I, um, how did I feel? I, I missed him. Um, just like I am today. Um, I'm missing him. And I, you know, back when we weren't talking, I wished we were talking, um, because I was missing out on a lot. I was missing out on a lot to do with him, a lot to do with my, my grandson, you know, it hurt. And it still does hurt. So coming back to my question, when you got the phone call, it was from your other son, right? Yeah. And you were told that Alex killed himself. How did you feel at that time, considering that you guys weren't talking to each other and you guys had a lot of words back and forth at the time? Uh, I think very quickly, just a numbness set in. Mm -hmm. Um, I drive a taxi here in Stratford part-time. And um, I was out on my third call of the day, and I was driving this elderly lady. She would be about 96 years old. I picked her up at the hospital and took her back to her nursing home. And um, I don't take personal phone calls in the cab while I'm driving. But it happened to be um, a quarter after three in the afternoon, and I get this phone call call display shows it's my my son Andrew and again I don't answer phone calls while I'm driving people around but I thought okay well my son rarely calls me during uh, my work hours so I decided to pick it up and when I got it uh, Andrew said to me he says dad are you driving today and I went yeah I said uh, he said well it's probably be a good idea to go home after what I'm about to tell you. And right then and there, I knew, I knew before he even told me what had happened. And he says, Alex just killed himself. And he was crying. I had to try and keep it together because I had uh, a senior in uh, the back of the cab and I had to get her to the destination. So a numbness came over me. I said goodbye to Andrew on the phone and um, I said, uh, I'll call you back. So I, I dropped off this lady at the, uh, at the nursing home, and as soon as I got her delivered to where she was going, I got back in the cab, and I broke down. I started crying. And then at that point, I had to call the cab company and let them know that I wasn't suitable to do any more work for the rest of the day. And uh, I returned the cab out to the shop, and the owner of the cab company drove me home. And that's when everything just started just started uh, just going through my head of what went on. And, uh, and I, just, I, I felt terrible, just the fact that 
he and I had not spoken for about three months, and um, and then this happens. Um, I was I was an absolute mess, and then um, I got home. I had also in, in during that time I had called my wife just to let her know what happened, and uh, so she greeted me at the door when I got back, and we hugged each other, and we were just both authentically just devastated and and no one should have to go through what we're going through at the time did you feel guilty and this is what why i'm asking these questions i'm concerned about you rob that uh since then that you've been processing guilt oh yeah did you feel that at the time and do you still feel that at the time because of the arguments um You know me, I've always tried to put on a brave face and and um I I do feel guilt but not as much as I did back on September 6th because I've had time to process it and realize you know what? I honestly believe it's due to mental illness why my son has passed. So when you realize there's a mental illness involved, like nothing I could have done or w- would have changed the outcome. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, yeah. 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 Um, I also want you to know too, a week, <clears throat> he died on a, a Wednesday, September 6th. And, um, and then I took the rest of the week off. I only drive uh, three afternoons, evenings a week with the cab company, but I remember saying to the the owner of the cab company, he says, I'll be back next Wednesday, which was a week following um, Alex's death. And the reason I went back to driving a cab was just to have the ability to talk to people. Because I love doing that. But people thought I was right off my rocker because my ex-wife, for example, I think she missed three to four weeks of work. Everyone deals with it differently, but you know me, I'm I'm a social person. And uh, and then, you know, it also helped too uh, because Alex was very well known here in the community. And so when I got people in the cab who knew me and knew who Alex was, you know, it gave me the, the ability to talk to people. And I heard so many great stories. I had one guy in the, in the car. He went on and on and talked to me about how Alex was a father to him. I heard that a lot at the memorial. Yeah. In fact, one of the, the, the kids who, uh, who, I call him kids, he's in his 20s, but <laughs> he's a kid to me. But uh, he got up at the funeral and um, and talked. And this was one of the guys that I actually had in the car uh, as recent as a week and a half ago. And uh, we talked about uh, talked about Alex and... Uh, and then he went on to tell me what Alex really meant to him. Obviously, Alex means different things to different people. Me being his father, it means one thing. But to this this gentleman, when he was 13, he was having some difficulties. And uh, crossing bridges, which is a, a division of uh, 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 choices for change, it was designed for... Uh, children who were 16 years of age or older. At the time, uh, this gentleman I'm speaking of was only 13 years old. 
and Alex decided to take him under his wing. Even though he hadn't hit the proverbial age of 16, he was only 13, but Alex took him under his wing along with uh, Alex's friend Mike. And like I said, he ended up being a, a father figure to this guy. But that was one of the reasons why I went back to work early, is that was my way of processing it. Otherwise, I would have just sat home here feeling sorry for myself. And that was another reason, too, why I continued to work. Do you feel that it was, um, and I'm, I'm not implying this, but do you feel it was a way for you to easily divert and, and uh, not think about it? Kind of like you're avoiding it? Uh Put it this way, unless the customer in the cab brought the subject up. Like, I remember one night, uh, I always start off, hey, how are you doing? When someone gets in the cab and and then one lady got in the cab, says, no, how are you doing? I went, I'm fine. In other words, if people aren't going to ask me specifically what was going on, I would just do the standard, oh, I'm doing fine. But then she looked at me and she says, Rob, how are you really doing? I said, oh, Uh I went, oh, you heard. Yes, I did hear. And she says, oh, I'm so sad. I can't, uh, she can't imagine, you know, what I'm going through. I said, thanks. Um, But we talked about it. and, And then the conversation kept on going back to mental health. And trust me. Mental health, and I and I discover this in the cab all the time because some of the people I'm driving have their very own mental health problems. So, mental health has touched so many people in very Absolutely. in various ways, and um, it goes back to one of the reasons why you and I wanted to do something in a podcast form like this show, just to what's the word? Just to grab some attention about what mental health is all about and and the fact that we do struggle with it. I have my days. Um, Everyone has their days, but I guess it comes down to how do you deal with it? Mine was going back to work, uh, engaging, doing something with my time as opposed to sitting back at home watching TV, going back drinking or something like that. Um, And I just, uh, I knew it would be good for me just to get out in the cab and and talk to people again. And the number of people who I've had the chance to talk to about my son, Alex, um, has been great. And, it, you know, it goes to show you how much he was loved in the community and how much he did for people. You you said that, you, you know, you, because your, your background with alcohol and, and in that first episode, I remember you mentioning that you used alcohol to deal with your problems. And you, you said here that, you know, that was an option that you could have took during this time. And, and I feel uncomfortable asking this question, but have you gone back to alcohol to cope with his death? No. Um, I, I have, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I've had drinks and I'm trying to be a social drinker, if you will. Um, but I've been trying to keep, uh, the drinks down to a minimum. So, but and again, that's the reason I went back to work, uh, because of course you you can't drive a cab with uh, some drinks in you. So that was one. Way. No kidding, because you're. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know yeah. if people heard that first episode, but you you ended up going to rehab and AA and all these types of things because you it was a DUI. You crashed your car yeah. in, in front in front of City Hall. 
Yep. So you know the major negative consequences of, of drinking could, could lead to DUI. So you thank God that you weren't drinking before you were uh, driving the cab. I was worried about that, but I... You oh, know. no, no. Oh, oh, no. But, but and again, in answer to the original question is, or, or what we were talking about was, why did I go back to work so early? Chances are, if I didn't go back to work and have anything to do, um, chances are I would have sat home and probably got drunk, you know, um, every day. Those are my old ways. But, uh, but again, when you, uh, when you know you've got to show up and you, you know, you can't have any booze on your breath, you, you can't be, you can't be under the influence of anything and, and you get out there and drive a cab. Uh, so that, that kept me sober. Well, you can't. I mean, that's your responsibility. How's it now? Are are you yeah. drinking to get away from feelings at this point? How's it now? It's been a number no. of weeks. No. Well, it has. It, like again, his passing was September sixth. The celebration of life was uh, uh, September twenty fourth. And I remember you saying to me too. Um, you warned me. You you, you said, Rob, don't uh, don't resort mm-hmm. back to drinking. Uh, because um, it just won't look good. And I remember your exact words. And uh, we had our, uh, his celebration of life at um, the local Army-Navy Air Force here in town, which is just right across the road from where I live. And um, and I could tell you, I was stone-cold sober that day. I didn't have a drink, and there were mm-hmm. drinks available in the lounge next to the no, uh, I, celebration I'm, of life. But I mean, by all ways of me knowing you, you were you were sober for that and and uh it was the comment i made wasn't so much yeah. a look bad it's just that you know I, I i just have so much love for you that uh i didn't want you to avoid the process and avoid the feelings and uh, to drink before the memorial yeah that would look bad for you but also it would inhibit you from processing and listening and, and, and hearing all these things that were, uh, that were sad about, about his life. So I'm, I'm glad that you were, that, that you were sober for that. Oh no. I like, I was, I was 100% real and apparent for everything that went down that day. There were some people there who, uh, had a few drinks cause that's their way of dealing with stuff, but, uh, it wasn't mine. And, and again, I thank you for just those, um, words of wisdom, if you will, way back when, you know, just. I want to acknowledge your strength, Rob. I, I mean, there is a bar at the uh, community center where this yeah. memorial was and, and I, I didn't see you in there. I, I didn't, I didn't see you drinking and, and, you know, I got to acknowledge that, that, um, you know, you didn't even have a couple drinks. You, you stayed real and, and I could tell from the look on your face at the time that, that you were processing it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, and Greg, uh, I'm still processing it. it. It's, it's, oh, no. I hope so. <laughs> that, that's yeah, why I'm yeah, asking yeah. these questions. I want you to yeah. keep processing it. You know, people listening, they always say, oh, well, you know, there's these stages of grief. And, and as a therapist, I can tell you that the idea that these stages of grief, and they are real, mm-hmm. right? But it's bullshit that it's linear. Okay. You don't go from point A to being in shock and uh, um, I believe that's the first stage. And you zip along, and a couple of weeks later, you come to acceptance. No. That's bullshit. No. I don't believe in that. What I believe in is that it's a process that goes back and forth and back and forth. 
and I wanted to make sure that that you were showing up uh, real and authentic to process those feelings. Because I know for myself, and I know for for other people I've worked with, is that you can use different ways to divert and avoid. And then becomes a very painful process because you're not going through these things naturally. And you're procrastinating the pain, and it's the old thing after postponing, postponing the pain. Postponing the pain. Yeah. yeah. And then eventually what happens is you've got a mountain of pain that you haven't dealt with. In other words, you haven't, by by using, uh, whether it be drugs and or alcohol, any type of avoidance, you're any kind of avoidance. You're not allowing yourself to deal with the pain as it's coming to you at the time. And if you can't feel the pain, how in the hell are you going to process the pain uh, by not experiencing it real? Yeah. And if I if I if I were drinking over these over this time, I'm not a drug user, but I mean, if I were drinking. Um, I would just be delaying that, and eventually I'd end up with a mountain of pain that has gone uh, disregarded over the past. And uh, like I said, every day I I, I, I think about Alex, and I, you know, and I honestly I still ask, could I have done anything that would have made the outcome different? I have my questions of why, but. I'm still not done processing it. And I'm going to be honest with you, too. I don't think I'll ever be done processing it. And I, I, I speak through experience because I mentioned earlier in this very program that uh, I've dealt with suicide um, a few times in my life. But the closest one was my, uh, my, my brother-in-law. And that happened back in the 90s. And I think he was 22 years old. To this day, I'm still thinking and processing about that one any death any any loss really is an ongoing process i i just i I just think it's bullshit that people think that you know they come to an ending of that process and the the acceptance of what really i pisses me off is when people say to another person aren't you over this by now oh no um and i have my own ways like uh music means a lot to me i get yeah i get I, i get i get a lot from music. And so did Alex. He, did. he loved music. Yeah, he loved music. So that's another way I, I, I process stuff. Um, and um, I can tell you this, though, too. It's okay to cry. Absolutely. Like, I don't think anyone's out there going, oh, listen to him, bumble on and whatever. But you know what? This is me. And this is how I'm dealing with my loss. How has this impacted other people in your life? How has this impacted your wife, Carm? Um, she, she has a lot of the same questions. Um, like one of her favorite things to say to me, she says, I just want to wake up from this nightmare and um, be like it never happened. And I said, but sweetheart unfortunately it's not going to happen because this is real but that's how we're feeling you know um we're we've been given the the the, the chance and the opportunity also uh to be with Kess i still haven't you know talked to him about this and we're still wondering how we're going to do it 
he's aware that his father has passed on. You may want to share how old Cass is. Four years old. Four. Four yeah. years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four years old. And that's why it's uh, it's tough because uh, you don't want to rattle his cage for the rest of his life. But at the same time, you want to be transparent and honest. So at this point, uh, he won't know what suicide is all about or, you know, you know, daddy killed himself. No, it's nothing like that. It's daddy has passed away. And that's all he knows at this point. But um, I've been given the opportunity um, with my ex-wife and her husband and uh, with Carmela and myself, um, we get a chance, each of us, at least once a month to spend the, the weekend with little Kessaroo. And um, I want to teach him some of the things that his dad never got around to teaching him. Wow. You mentioned your ex-wife, and I, I was going to say I, I want to acknowledge Ray Lim because I, back when we met in the 80s and, and hung out, um, my ex and your ex, we were, we were pretty tight. And, and um, from what you can tell in the conversations it had, had with Ray Lynn, as Alex's mom. Well, Raylan, Raylan was pregnant. If yeah. you'll remember, very pregnant about when was your first wedding? It was, was in, it in September, September it was or September October. 15th of 1990. And, and Alex was born when? September 24th. So yes, Raylan was very pregnant <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when she showed up at, yeah. <laughs> with me at, uh, at your, at your, your first wedding. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't, I, when I saw Raylan, I, I gave her a hug at the memorial, but I, 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 what I wanted to say is that, you know, Alex was at my wedding too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, like, he, he was, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, um, like, Based on your conversations with her, how is she doing? I, I, I just feel compelled to ask about other people in your family and, and yeah. how they're doing. How's Ray Lynn yeah. doing? Um, I, well, keep in mind, um, we don't talk that much, but it, it is authentic. Like, um, I won't pick up the phone anymore. I usually do it through Messenger. I go, how are you doing? And she knows when I ask her how she's doing. It's not like, hey, how you doing? It's more like, how are you doing, given everything that's going on? Because there's also a lot of things that have to be done when you're settling uh, someone's life after the fact that they've passed on. And she's done the better bulk of work on on that. Got to give credit where credit's due. Um, she's done a great job. So, But I know right now she's, she's away on a, let's call it a mini holiday just out of town. And... Um, she and her husband, uh, Fred, Fred, um, great guy. Great guy. He, uh, he and, uh, and Ray Lynn are just away and, and good for them because let's face it. I think when you're at home, people stop by and visit and maybe they just needed some time by themselves. So I think all things considered, Greg, we're doing okay. We're dealing with this. Uh, I also happen to know like, uh, for example, who's taking it hard? Who probably still is taking it hard? Um, was Alex's girlfriend at the time? I saw that she was at the memorial. I'm oh. sure she still is. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, I haven't talked to her recently. Um, but judging by the way I saw her at uh, his celebration of life, she's not doing well. Um, it. it 
It's also created, uh, let's call it dialogue between other family members and I, because uh, same question you're asking too is like, Rob, how are you doing? And I, my standard answer, but it's, it's truthful. And only if I mean it at the time, I, I go, all things considered, I'm doing okay. Um, but I tell people, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the kid. I'll never forget. And see, th- this is the other thing. He had so much to look forward to in life. And that's what makes it really disappointing is um, he had so much to look forward to in life. And, you know, I was looking forward to the day that we would have resolved our, our issues, if you will, and uh, had some good get-togethers and some good laughs because, uh, you know, Alex had he had a great life. He really did. Um, but it, it's funny. When you look at, uh, you know, suicides, it's, it, you remember years ago, You'd open up the newspaper, you'd look at the obituaries, and uh, donations may be made to the Canadian Cancer Society. Right. Or donations may be made to the Kidney Foundation. Right then and there, you'd sort of had an idea of how the person passed. Mm-hmm. In in our obituary announcement, it just said, died suddenly on, on Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. And all I'm saying is, when you see an obituary announcement like that... Um, Chances are, if there's no reason given, chances are they they could have very well taken their life. Let's talk about dance. Dance was really important. And let's talk about oh. music, right? Because I know that's okay. close to you and it was close to Alex. So what were you, what were you, you, you wanted to talk about that when he was younger, that he, he, he was able to dance? Well, yes, younger, but even, even up until, um, his passing, he loved to dance. And part of his little speech at these high schools in uh, Perth County, Huron County, uh, he would get up and do a, um, <laughs> it was a dance to a Michael Jackson song. He would do the moonwalk. He would do all really? this stuff. That's oh, yeah. really hard to do. It wow, is. I didn't um, know that. And what we'll do is I'll put the link up on the description. Oh, cool. It, it, it's a YouTube video that's up on YouTube and, uh, and you can go see it for yourself. But, you know, um, Alex, uh, he, he loved music. Um, in fact, I'll also put up, uh, the tribute video, which is also up on YouTube and you can hear, uh, Alex rap along, uh, to an old Fuji song. Um, it's a song that he, uh, he had made uh, back years ago for his wife, his then wife, and um, and he loved to rap. Like he, he loved music. Keep in mind too, uh, with Choices for Change here in Stratford, another division of Choices for Change was called Crossing Bridges. Um, Alex loved uh, music from Seal, and there's a song by Seal called. Prayer for the dying. And one of the lines in that song says, Crossing bridges of lessons I've learned. And thus, that's how Crossing Bridges was named here in Stratford, was because of that song. So music played a very important part in Alex's life and my life, for that matter. There's times that 
Okay, you were asking me how am I dealing with stuff lately? Well, instead of going to the booze, I'll sit there and I'll listen to music. And I'll sit there and I'll just I'll just sit there in a puddle of tears and cry in the garage <laughs> with with the door closed. What, uh, what 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 groups and what songs? I, I I think I know, but I want to ask you that oh, question. Okay. Um well, obviously uh Seals on that list. Uh what else have I been listening to? Last night I was listening to some Stevie Wonder. Um Don't Worry About a Thing. Don't you worry about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing, mama. What in that lyric spoke to you? Um not so much just the whole general concept, don't you worry about a thing. Um I am a worry ward. I've had real problems sleeping lately. I bet where I'm not I, where I'm not getting a good quality eight hours sleep. I'm a sixty year old, and uh, I should be sleeping at least seven or eight hours. I think uh, I think that's what my practitioner would say to me. You know, should be, uh, and I've got an appointment with him uh, shortly. But I'm just um, I'm just finding I'm not getting a good solid sleep. I get up in the middle of the night and and. Guess what's one of the first things that comes to mind? Uh-huh. Alex. Okay. So um, I've got to deal with that. But getting back to the music thing, what else? Uh, you know, I I keep on listening to, let's call it our song, um, Greg's and, and my song, Keep Talking by Pink Floyd, which is what the root of this whole program is about. It's uh, It's about our ability to keep talking. And the only way we can get past things is by talking. And that's what we're doing today. Uh-huh. And in the encouraging people to keep talking about mental health and physical health. And even though like mind and body is the, is the focus of the yeah. podcast. I, I actually, in a lot of ways we were thinking of using keep talking as the name of the podcast, but I, I think that we should, keep that name for, for these chats that we have you and me, these real chats about how we're processing mental health and addiction issues, how we're processing, moving on, processing, um, many different things that are impacting our life. But I I never really did understand, like, why is, why is that song by Pink Floyd so significant for you? Um, what's, uh, I'd have to look up the lyrics. They're just not coming to mind right now but um, all we have to do is keep talking um it it was um it was an answer to uh most of life's problems and i really do believe uh especially you know we have all this technology uh these days greg as as you well know but one thing i'm finding is people aren't talking and it's okay to talk it's okay to be transparent. It's okay to cry in front of people. It's okay to let other people know how you're feeling. And I think uh, that's something that we're definitely missing in society right now. Even with all this great technology, we could be talking everyone's ears off. But unfortunately, we're not using the technology uh, in the way that we should. As we're talking, I pulled up the lyrics to the Pink Floyd song. Uh, keep talking. I mean, a lot of it really is is deep, but it's also also very dark too. Um, another song, and 
that co- comes to mind is uh, a song by uh, a band called Queensryche and uh, their song Silent Lucidity. Um, my uh, my brother-in-law, when he passed away in the 90s, and again, uh, of suicide, um, that was our song as a family, Silent Lucidity, a very, very dark song. But, you know, I'll go back myself and I'll listen to just songs that uh, have meant a lot to me over the years through my radio days. Last night I was listening to some Collective Soul, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. All sorts of different yeah. things. Um, the World I Know is one of them. And I, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I'm not a gothic person, but I just say I, I like, um, I like, I like uh, those dark moments in music because it makes you think. Sometimes when you're in that dark, that darkness, some, some, I don't know why, but. Sometimes the songs about darkness, the sad songs, when you feel sad, for some reason make you feel good. Have you ever found that? Well, I'll, I'll give you another a good example. Is um, uh, Simon and Garfunkel had uh, the song Sounds of Silence oh, years God, and yeah. years ago. Yeah. But it has been recently, uh, well, I say recently, the last couple or three years, uh, it's been redone by a band called uh, Disturbed. And they've really uh, cast uh, a little more darkness on the song. Mm -hmm. But, you know, hello. um, Hello, my darkness. Hello, my My darkness, my old friend. friend. Yeah, it's good to see you again. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, that's a very dark song, and I've been listening to stuff like that. And then I, uh, the same token, and I can't come up with any examples right now, but I'll, I'll listen to some... I call them dumb songs, uh, but they're happy songs, you know? And I remember some of the dumb stuff that Alex and I used to do listening to some of these dumb songs, and they were probably dumb things that we did. Like what? Oh, I mean, just, uh, again, I can't come up with any examples of some of the songs, but it was songs that... uh, we would sing back and forth to each other, but with different lyrics than what the artists had. Oh, so we were <laughs> so so we would change the lyrics and songs and uh, just have a have a good uh, belly laugh at that. And we used to laugh at each other. And I think, see, that's the other thing too. Um, I miss the laughter. I I miss not only me being his dad and he being my son, but you know, I, I miss the laughter. I miss our talks. I always wanted to be the guy who could help him out. And like I said, in the end, he wasn't uh, reaching out to get help. And I think deep down that bothered me too. I mean, um, I never predicted this happening um, with what happened to Alex, but it sure enough did. And my God, it hurts. What are you feeling right now? I'm feeling the hurt, but what is the hurt like that? <laughs> I don't know. I think it really comes down to just missing him, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, I had my chance to make peace with him at the funeral home prior to the celebration of life. And, um, he was, he was lying there at peace and I made my peace with him um, before he was taken away. 
physically. And, uh, and I honestly, truly do believe that he's not, he, he's not enduring the pain anymore. Um, so that's, you know, if I had to take one positive thing out of this whole damn thing, it would be just that he's not in any, any more pain. That's the only thing, like, of a positive nature. I can, like, there's nothing else positive out of this whole thing other than the fact that poor Alex, he's not in pain anymore. Oh, this is different, isn't it? We're, um, we have nothing to say. <laughs> no, I, I kind of noticed that too, Rob. Uh, yeah. We weren't talking for and, a bit there, but. It, do you it, notice, as being old radio people, yeah, uh, we, yeah. we call that dead air. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when there's dead air, <laughs> when there's dead air like that, that brings back old memories from radio, and it wasn't a very good feeling. <laughs> I, I, for me, I like to know yeah. how you felt about just sitting with what you said and sitting yeah. with the feeling that he's no longer in pain. Um, at least for me, I, I had to kind of take that in and 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 um, allow that to to sit with me. How about you? That's the truth for me. Like I said, I can't. There's not one positive thing I can take out of this, with the exception of just that mm-hmm. is that he doesn't have to endure the pain anymore. That's that's the only positive thing that could come out of what happened on September 6th. And, uh, I mean, oh, my glasses are fogging up here, and and I got tears rolling down my face. That's why it's an audio podcast, folks. Um, no, it, that's the way I felt. It just, like, uh, that's the only positive thing I can get out of this. Because, I mean, in the end, he was in a lot of pain, if you look at the uh, the tribute, and again, uh, Greg will arrange to have the details of the uh, the YouTube videos we were speaking of earlier, uh, the dancing in St. Mary's, Ontario, and then the actual uh, Alex um, tribute video that I produced for him. And um, you'll see how music meant so much to us. But like I said, uh, the last year and a half just seemed to be a downward spiral. And I witnessed the pain that the poor guy was going through and some of the things. It goes to show you, too, the importance of a job because I know that he was struggling trying to find a job after he lost his counselor's job. And again, and I want to make this perfectly clear, it wasn't because of anything that Alex did that he lost his job. I think it just came down to, at the time, downsizing and his number was on the ticket and uh, that's what happened. He lost his job. But I think when, again, and I've said this probably two or three times throughout uh, our talk today, when Alex didn't have the opportunity to help other people, um, he didn't want to help himself. Let's talk a bit uh, quickly about if people are struggling um there are ways uh, to get help. Um, there is, and, and no matter where you're uh, listening in, in uh, Canada or the U.S., I, I have some numbers. But um, were you aware of the, that article? Um, did you come across it at all? The one I was talking about earlier, because he said something that was so profound in there. I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to read it here. 
because that ties in with exactly uh, why we're going to give these telephone numbers out uh, to the audience. The the quote I think you're getting at was, he wandered away out. Is that what you're getting at? That was was, um, in the article when he described what was happening back a number of years ago, but at the end of his talk. 2007. 2007. Yeah, yeah. But when he did this talk, uh, the high school uh, quoted him, and Alex said, the biggest thing we need to understand is we're all in this together. We all need to lean on someone from time to time, and don't ever think you're the only one. There are people to talk to. That was what Alex said. That's amazing that you found that. I was supposed to find that, I think. But there is help out there. And I mean, the other thing too, um, even if if you're not seeking professional help and you need help or whatever, you know, here's another thing. What is family for? I mean, your family loves you. So that's a start. Talk to people around you. That's a start right there. Because I, I'm going to tell you, if you reach out for help and a family member doesn't want to help you, that's not saying so much about that family member. I'm the type of guy, like, I'm open 24-7, and I tell people uh, who I care about that that's my availability for them. I'm here 24-7. And if I get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning because one of my friends, one of my dear friends is not um, is not doing well, I'll answer that phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning, as you would too. And you have. And you have. Well, I don't, well, and you have because there wasn't wasn't too long ago that I was really having a dark day. Oh yeah, and and, um, and what you said, I mean, made made so much sense, and I I needed to talk, um, and I I just called you up when I was hearing you know what's been going on in, in my life. It was told to me, and and yeah. um, I mean, friends and family are probably the best therapists that anybody can have, and I'm a therapist and- saying that. Well, and uh, I'm not a therapist. I'm just a, um, I'm a hired voice. But But what I will say is I was really glad to help because I get off, I get off on helping people as well, just like, um, just like Alex did. And when I could sit there and not have the knowledge and, uh, the ways of a therapist, but just talk to to you as a normal person. And it turned out, I think it was a few days later, that some of the things I said that were going to happen did happen. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, think, uh, I, I think I said to you that day, I said, you know, for every door that closes, it will open up a window of opportunity. And then that window of opportunity will become a door. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's how I, I talked you down that day. You talked me off the were, ledge, as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I talk, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's, and it was just one of those things. Like, I have to let people know, uh, Greg is one of my best friends. He is authentically been checking in on me uh, almost on a daily basis, especially after um, the passing of Alex. And uh, the one day... He, I could just sense he was bummed out, so it came up as a topic of conversation. I said, let's talk about it. Enough about me. What about you? <laughs> and, uh, 
And uh, that's the way that conversation went. And uh, I was just, honestly, I was just happy I could help. And it didn't come from any of my training. It was, you know, you had told me a long time ago as a therapist, the biggest key to becoming a therapist is the ability to listen. It's all right if we keep talking. But the other thing is, the other half of the equation is, are people out there listening? That's the other half of the equation about keep talking, is listening as well. And you told me a long time ago, that's if you had to pick out one thing and your ability to become a therapist, it was the ability to listen is what makes you the person you are today. Thank you. And what a challenge, uh, considering that you and I were trained to talk <laughs> as radio yeah. announcers, and then I become oh, yeah. a therapist and realize. I really need to shut my mouth right now and tune in and listen to what the person's saying. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, how about we talk about these uh, these phone numbers? Uh, if you're in Canada, there is a number that you can call if you're struggling with suicide. Meaning, um, if you're thinking about suicide, if you're thinking about killing yourself, even if you're thinking about it, call the number. Or or, or in, in a very dark place and you yeah. don't know what is up or what is down. Exactly. So you don't have to be in that planning stage. But definitely, if you've been thinking about it so much that, you know, visually, you know, you're you're in that dark place and you have the ability to see a little bit of light above the hole. Uh, so here's the number in Canada. It's one Eight three three four five six four five six six. We're going to uh, put that in the episode description, but also uh, there's a text number. So okay. if you don't want to talk to somebody, actually, you can text this organization. They're called Talk Suicide Canada. So okay. you can text them at four five six four five. That's four five six four five and. Someone's going to respond to you anywhere between 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. on the text, but the telephone number is 24-7, 365, okay. right? So, I mean, the, the, the telephone number you can call any time. But some people more, are more comfortable with text. That's 2 p.m. to yep. 2, 2 a.m. That's Eastern Standard Time. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also um, a crisis line, and I, I always tell people that even if you feel that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not at that point where I want to call the suicide line, call the crisis line. I know lots of people worked yeah. worked on on crisis lines, and um, they they talk to people that are are struggling with mental health issues. So, if you're struggling with depression and anxiety, um, the, the crisis line text number is seven four one seven four one seven four one seven four one. Also, if you're in Canada and and you're younger, or you're a family member that has uh, uh, you know a son or daughter or youth that you know. Uh, kids help phone uh, yes. is available. You've heard of that? Yes. yes, I have. Yeah. So with kids help phone, you text connect C O N N E C T text connect to six, eight, six, eight, six, eight. And that's 24, seven, six, eight, six, eight, six, eight. And, um, and, and another thing too, I, I, I really want to, I really want to say is there's no shame in asking for help. Okay, there's no shame. These services are available to you simply because mental health is at a at a crisis situation. At least it, 
in, in my opinion, anyway. It is. No, I agree. We're in a crisis. And, there, and there's no shame in admitting that you do have a problem, but in order to get help with your problem, all you have to do is ask. Mm-hmm. In the States, kind of cool, they have um, um, a three-digit number, 988. 988? Yeah, in the States. Okay. So you can call okay. 988 if you're listening in the States, and you'll be connected to someone on the other end um, that can help you and uh, reach out to them. Uh, yeah. And this this line, as I'm reading here, they said is for uh, for people that are thinking about suicide, but also people that are on, in crisis. So it's a lifeline. Uh, okay. 988. If you prefer, there is a 1-800 number for uh, this crisis lifeline. It's 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. And that's, uh, that's 24-7 as well. Um, before we go here, I just want to say, first off, thank you. Um, I wouldn't say I've been trying to avoid today's show or leading up to it, I wanted to avoid today's show, but I knew it was inevitable. It was going to happen because it had to happen because after Alex's passing, I would like to sort of carry on his legacy and, and be able to help people. And I think we have today. I think we've, well, I've been honest. I know you've been honest, but that's, that's what's going to help people. It's funny because a lot of the times we do our shows on um, Mind Body Matters, there's an incredible amount of research and development done for each show. Um, And most of the time it's Greg uh, carrying the weight of that. He does most of the the heavy lugging with uh, research with this show. I'm more of the production guy. But um, today it was actually... um, this is the way that Greg and I talk uh, when we're on the phone. It is. Yeah. yeah, in, fa- yeah. in fact, in fact, I'm going to, can I share people with what you said today? Depends what it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. When you called me this. No, I, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> he says to me, he says, okay, I'll write our full conversation today. This is by text earlier. He says, you still okay to do this? And I said, let's get her done. He writes back, you have to be you, no Radio Rob. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's what I text you. Yeah, and uh, so here we are. And and, uh, and no, you, I... you, you have taken off that hat uh, a little more than uh, usual, so uh, yeah. I want to acknowledge that and, and kudos that you embrace vulnerability, and that's very, very tough to do, but that's how we grow. Yeah. We grow uh, by allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, and you're vulnerable and um, I'm glad that you got down to some some serious stuff and uh, your honest feelings. Live, laugh, love. No, that that's a great adage for yeah. for life in, in 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 many different ways. Yeah. Considering that we're going to um, use the name "Keep Talking" for this segment, can you go back a bit as to why? The Pink Floyd song was important to you. You touched on it, but did you want to say anything more about that song? And then actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some of the lyrics. Okay. And if we don't get, uh, if we don't end up getting arrested and going into jail, I think we should play a clip of Pink Floyd and keep talking at the end of this episode. 
uh, just to kind of set the trend for future episodes, because we're going to come back and do this every couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, or at least try to, you know, uh, you know, depending on our schedule and that. Yeah. Um, okay. There's a silence surrounding me. I can't seem to think straight. I sit in the corner. No one can bother me. I think I should speak now. Why don't you talk to me? I can't seem to speak now. You never talk to me. My words come out right. What are you thinking? I feel like I'm drowning. What are you feeling? I'm feeling weak now. Why won't you talk to me? But I can't show my weakness. You never talk to me. I sometimes wonder, what are you thinking? Where do we go from here? What are you feeling? I know the song is important to you, and, and as we said at the beginning, you know, we we even thought about uh, um, naming the podcast. But so for these episodes, we're, we're going to keep talking. Keep talking over a, a, a coffee and... Um, In your case, a cigarette? Well, I, I, Maybe I, can't not. Smoke in the, I can't smoke in the studio. Oh, good. I'm, I'm you shouldn't smoke all together. I know. Thanks, <laughs> bud. <laughs> and I'd like to go up to the garage now and have the smoke if I may. <laughs> you may. <laughs> Listen, hey. my friend, uh, thank you. Thank you very much because um, I think Alex would be very proud of us doing what we did today. Yes, I I know that, and I, I feel that, and I, I feel that as we continue with uh, Keep Talking, this is for Alex. Um, I know you're probably dying to be Robbie Radio, so um, we're going to play part of Pink Floyd and Keep Talking. Do you want to do the intro? Okay. As as, as a radio announcer? Yeah, as your old self. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Well, it's a beautiful day out there. Folks, one last bit of advice. All we have to do is keep talking. And here's some Pink Floyd for you. That's awesome. (laughs) 